Hello and welcome to the Hennessy Podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. My name is Alex and we are live. Actually, we're not live. This is pre-recorded, so I hope you're... We're yeah. live for us. Yeah, we're, we're live. So welcome to the Hennessy Podcast. It's going to be a great episode. Uh, we're here with Nathan, who is also our host. Today is part three, and I hope that you've listened to part one and part two of this supercar hypercar debate. We're going to go straight into it after a few updates uh, from the Hennessy department. And uh, yeah, Let's so buckle it. in right now. Yeah. Like put your seatbelt on. Yeah. And I don't even I don't even mean your metaphorical seatbelt. Like actually get in your car and put your seatbelt on because it's going to be crazy. Wow. You're going to want to sit down for this. So really quick here. We've got some Hennessy stuff going on. The 2021 F-150. So we've had our Venom package released for a little bit of time now, but we have been dealing with supply chain issues, and haven't we all? Yeah, have, hasn't the whole world been dealing with yeah. supply chain issues? It, yeah. It's been it's been frustrating, but mm-hmm. the good news is we have the first 2021 F-150 supercharged Boom. in the whole world, and you can see the dyno video out right now. So head to our YouTube channel and go watch that video. It's the first one in the whole world with a supercharger. It's pretty wild. Sounds Makes so some great good. power. Sounds yeah. awesome. So cool. So without further ado, let's go ahead and dive right into this episode. Uh, And we're going to continue our debate of talking about supercars, hypercars, what makes each category, what defines them, and which cars fall into which category and why. And there's a lot that are very easy that fall into a, a category with no debate. But there's some that are juicy, that really have some heated debate behind it. Yeah. Uh, and really quick reminder about how we've been scaling these. So we have a three-point, three-prong scale, and this is this is kind of the uh, a non-subjective scale. Yes. This yeah. is truth. Okay, uh-huh. there's nobody that really knows better than us. <laughs> That's right. And and this it's is not how, debatable. It's not debatable. It's not open for debate. So kind of just is, take yeah. what this is as truth and. Continue Don't question on. it. Yeah. Exactly. So the three-prong scale is comprised of design, performance, and the valet wow factor as as well. So it's kind of a multi-part uh, prong, but it's made up of valet, wow factor, exclusivity, and price all into one. Uh, so we kept it simple there. And we kind of left off part two talking right at the intro of hypercar and mm-hmm. the Bugatti Veyron mm-hmm. was the first hypercar and it created the category. And Nathan, tell me, tell everyone why it created the category. Sure. Um, and just real quick guys, if you have not listened to the first two parts of this series, definitely go back and do that because we get into uh, a whole host of of different topics, um, controversial cars. What makes a supercar? We talked about what makes a sports car, and um, I think there's definitely some controversial sports cars in that category. So go back and check those out if you haven't listened to those first. Um, but the reason the Bugatti Veyron is a hypercar and why it basically created a category out of itself in its own existence is because it was so far beyond anything that we had seen before. It was a true Concord moment in the automotive world. It was like, it was uncomparable. It was totally uncomparable. If you, when that came out, 
you had um let's just let's just take your average supercar from Ferrari a 458 or maybe even a 430 like a 430 versus a, a Veyron they're not even the same universe those two cars you know the Veyron was a thousand and one horsepower so that's that's not shocking now which is kind of cool that we're in that world where that's not that amazing that's wild to think about yeah that, but not, not that long ago either i know but at at the time um yeah like you said not that long ago but at the time it was shocking it was like it wasn't even close to the next best yeah. you know competitor comparable really quick for some reference i think this this explained it really well for me one one time when we were at geneva and somebody said you know when you walked in 10 years prior or even five years prior, the only cars that were, that were over a thousand horsepower, there was like one, right? One or two, the Veyron and maybe one other weirdo like boutique, whatever. And now you go to Geneva, which doesn't exist anymore, but a couple of years ago when it's you coming went back next year, it'll be back. It's back. Wait, what? You didn't know? I had no idea. It's back, man. What? 2022. The Geneva International it's Motor Show is back? <laughs> yeah, breaking news. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> yeah. Where the heck have I been? What I don't know. Yo. Are you sure? Because they, they like positive. announced that, that it was gone. I, it was I done. will Google it right now. Wow. Okay, well, if you didn't know, the Geneva International Motor Show is back. To my surprise. Hold on. I'm, <laughs> I'm about to confirm this. <laughs> All right. I love this. This is live news right here. Yeah, it's it's for sure back. Okay, so it's back. Uh, to my surprise, I was a little uninformed in that. But my point being was <laughs> now when when you go or when you went to the Geneva Motor Show a, f- a few years ago, or if you go this year in 2022, next year, there are many cars over a thousand horsepower, and it, and it's almost weird if if there's a supercar, hypercar, or whatever, or a really expensive car that's not over a thousand horsepower, especially if it's an EV. It's kind of obligatory. Oh, oh yeah. If, it's if, like if you if you say it's an EV, I'm like, I don't know. Isn't it weird that horsepower is kind of irrelevant for EVs? Yeah. It's like, of course it's over that. Like, who cares? Oh, you're saying it doesn't go sub two, five, zero to 60? Yeah. Well, then why would I want it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. All Sorry, right. Well, okay, jump, jumping going. back on track here. So 1,001 horsepower, which was amazing. And if you've ever walked the, watched the documentary of the making of the Veyron, you know that that engine goes easily to 3,000 and it almost burned down their dynos and they, they turned it down. So this the, the feat of engineering here was amazing. So 1,001 horsepower, uh, it destroyed the top speed record at the time, which was held by the King, the McLaren F1. Um, the 0 to 60 time was sub 3 seconds. Um, and then there was the price, which was over a million dollars. Which again, now that's kind of commonplace, and you don't really think too much about it. You know, we just saw a, a Rolls Royce boat tail for twenty million dollars, um, and things have gotten a bit kind of crazy there. But at the time, it was the most expensive, the most powerful, and the fastest car in the world. Period. Nothing even close. Yeah, and it um, was a leap so far beyond anything of the previous category. Exactly, that it warranted a new category and design. Whether you love it or hate it, it is kind of a polarizing design. Um, it happens to be, you know, all all those things happen to make it one of my favorite cars. Um, and that's it's kind of 
I mean, when you think it, like it, it's kind of one of it's one of my favorite cars because of how monumental it is and was. I just I think everything about it, um, and I happen to really like the design. That's one of those cars that I think you need to see in person, even though you've seen plenty and still don't like it. Yeah. Um, and all those things combined, it's just it created its own category. It was obvious, self-evident yeah. to everyone. Yeah. So that's why it is a hypercar, and that's why it coined that term, and why because we had a there had to be a recalibration of our minds of like, what even do you call this thing? You know, it's not a supercar, right? A five, a four, was, five eight is a supercar. Right. That's not a supercar. Right. So so far beyond. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the backstory with the Veyron, um, and if we just stick with Bugatti, Bugatti doesn't make anything less than. A hypercar. They just right. don't. The yeah. Chiron is a, every variant of the Chiron is a hypercar, um, for obvious reasons. It, like we just talked about, it's got the performance, it's got the design, it's got, it's definitely got the exclusivity and cost. And whenever you see a Bugatti, everything just stops. Yeah, and you go, it's, it's a different level yeah. for sure. Yeah, I mean, okay, let, put it this way: uh, the average Bugatti owner has. Um, over 40 cars, uh, a private jet, and at least one one yacht, right? That's <laughs> yeah. that's not your average like, hey, I'm going into the Ferrari dealership to get my first, you know, I, like I, I've worked really hard, I've saved up, and I'm getting a aroma or like whatever. Yeah, not even close. That's not, it, it, we're talking, we're talking about, about multi-multi-billionaires. Yeah. And that's kind of who's yeah. in the, the hypercar or even world. Or even a billionaire versus somebody that's in the... 10 million or 50 million or even 100 million it's a huge, yeah, huge massive difference. difference yeah yeah so not that rich is rich right but there's still many levels within that yeah well th yeah i mean there's rich and then there's bill gates yeah type yeah. stuff so yeah. anyway um so yeah so that's bugatti those are clearly like no controversy there right well, um really quick yeah about bugatti when you rewind through some of bugatti's history pre veyron did they always make hypercars so like Let's look back. I, I'm not really good question. Yeah. So the EB110. Yes. Was when it was released, there was no hypercar category. But if you add the hypercar category and you, you know, you uh, you go back with it, was that a hypercar when it was released? Yeah. Yeah. No doubt in my mind. Because again, you still have the exclusivity. You've got the speed at the time, which honestly, that car is still quick, and it was. Its competitors would have been the uh, the F50, the McLaren F1, the, X, the Jag X, XJ220. I mean, you're talking about some major heavy hitters. Um, well, I mean, let me just ask, when was the last time you saw an EB110? Yeah, like They're I've seen unicorns. it a couple times. Yeah. yeah. Um, most people will never see that car. Right. So the exclusivity is off the charts. And yeah, it's 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 a hypercar for sure. Um, but but sticking with Bugatti, you know, we mentioned this a couple, uh, either it was part two or part one, um, probably part two. I th I would argue that you know we said that the the Mira was the first hyper uh, supercar. I don't know is is but the Bugatti like were they the the you know go back to the thirties? They're making insane. They've always made just the pinnacle. There's you know they're they're. Um, company motto is like if if it's comparable it's not a bugatti right so anyway it's it's interesting but i think 
hands down, whatever you say the first supercar is, there's no denying that the Veyron created this category. Yeah. So for sure. Yeah. Well, really quick, while we're just while we're rewinded a little bit. Uh huh. So cars like the Jaguar XJ220, mm-hmm. the McLaren F1, mm-hmm. the F50, 959, Enzo, Countach, F40, SLR. Where do some of those fall in? Because I think there's actually some splits in there. Yeah, there's splits. Um, like I put XJ220 in a hypercar hypercar category. <laughs> I do F1, too. F1, I put in hypercar. Although you know that car was supposed to come with a, a V12, and it's got that would have been way cooler. Yeah, than but the it's laggy still V6. still though. I mean, it. Yeah, I think it's a hypercar. Um, what else did you mention? The F50, I, I think, is a. Hi- we talked about this last time a little bit, but F. Okay. I, I think F40, F50. Yeah. Has has to be there. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, SLR. Ooh, I don't um, think I don't think it can be. I don't think design is there. Design, design for me is the only reason why it may be a hypercar. But I I see why you say that. But I feel like to the naked eye, the untrained eye, it's just a long nosed Mercedes. Okay. Like uh, it, it does it have that much wow factor over an XJ220? To me, it does. To me, it <sighs> yeah, does. Yeah, I know. But, I but you have a car. You is... have a trained eye to taste the you know fifteen year old scotch. Yeah, yeah. That man, that's a tough one. Can I can I say I still I'm still I I don't I don't know. Yeah, that's a really t- because like think about the the SLR the Sterling Moss. Dude, that was pretty wild, yeah. Those that is an insane car. I mean, now we're talking about variants, but um, yeah, SLR. That's a tough one. Yeah, because it's really not that quick, is it? It's not. It's yeah, not ridiculously no, fast, right? Um, it's know. definitely we, not a sports car, right? You. This so, one might be one where you guys have to email us. Yeah, you tell us what what an SLR podcast is. at HennessyPerformance.com, But I'd be interested to hear some of you guys' opinions on that one. McLaren F1. Yeah, hypercar for sure. Of course. Yeah, I mean it had the fastest car in the world record, and you know, Countach. That one is is interesting. I think there could certainly be an argument, but the problem is, is that if that was a hypercar when it was debuted. The Diablo, the uh, no way. the Murcielago, and it's the Aventador a, follow the exact same car, and I cannot put those in a hypercar not, category. Yeah. Okay, so here, if they're not in it, then... The only reason I think why we were maybe saying that it was a hypercar is because of the design and how iconic it is. Yeah. But isn't that the same... It's it's the same thing as an event. It's a the Avengador is the same thing. It's same, so same iconic. Car. It looks yeah, ridiculous, that, 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 but that's the performance true. just isn't there. Yeah, that's and true. and honestly, the innovation like it's, uh, yeah, I think the performance you know keeps it from being in that category. Yeah. So I think that's that's basically, that's pretty much, it yeah, in terms of what we were talking about last week. Um, Let's get into kind of the top of our list here. Yeah. Let's start off with some controversy. Okay. Let's get into um let's get into Pagani. All right. And, Pagani, here we go. Okay. Do you agree Pagani only makes hypercars? Yes. I, I agree too. They're a, a low volume boutique manufacturer that makes hypercars. Yeah. And I think 
if someone were to argue no, which there really isn't much of an argument, they only make hypercars. Um, but maybe their performance would be a little bit lower than the other category members. But their their design is hypercar. Their wow factor is hypercar. You know, their performance is still really awesome. Yeah, I you know I was thinking, but they don't about, care about being the fastest. They don't, and I kind of like that about them. Yeah, they know exactly what they do, and they do it really well. And I was thinking about why like it's the best visual example about why um paganis are hypercars there was a top gear episode way back when it was the original crew and they drove um a, a 4 gt uh a ferrari f430 and a pagani zonda from i don't know they took it on some road trip and they ended up in paris and you just know that that zonda you're like it doesn't belong in that company. It's yeah. so far beyond. It made those two cars look ordinary. And um, so while it might not have been that much faster, it's so extraordinary that they're hypercars. The, the, yeah. Every Zonda, every Wyra, every, anything that they do is, is going to be. So Is an F430 even a supercar? Yeah. I mean, man. I I I put an F430 and a 4GT in a different category, much less a F430 and a and a Zonda. What do you mean? I just think I don't know. I guess at the time of release, a 430 and a 4GT were same category. You think? But looking back, I I find the 4GT so much more elevated than a 430, even though they're both you know mid 2000s. I don't think the GT is any faster, really. Really? Yeah. F430 is still kind of a quick car. That's not... Uh, I don't know. Both V8s. I mean, Supercharged V8, though. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> okay, so... Dipping p- our toes back into yeah. supercars. <laughs> this conversation literally can go so many different directions, <laughs> and Nathan and I have been talking about it for years at yeah. this point, so it's good to finally get this all out of our system. So, Pagani does not make anything but hypercars. Easy. Moving past Done. the Zonda, the Wyra. It's one of the hypercar staples. Of course. For sure. When you have doors like that, when you look like yep. that, when you have a V12. They're one of the hypercar staple brands. Yeah. They're, Easily. They're in the top four. I'll go to another one. Koenigsegg. Yeah. Koenigsegg, of Easy. course. They're right in that staple of <laughs> low volume, boutique, manufacturer. Although... They have really stepped up. I think they sold some of the equity. I don't really know the full details, but they had some money infusion and are really stepping up their production numbers. That's true, yeah. So they're becoming still, well, higher com- volume. Yeah, but compared to Ferrari or Lamborghini, yeah, it's, not it's even still close. really low. I mean, we're talking about hundreds mm-hmm. of cars. But they do care about speed and performance. They definitely do. Yeah, their cars are no joke and in terms I, of performance, yeah. So and I would say if you kind of dis- if you rank them on our scale, I would say their performance is many notches above Pagani. But their valet factor and their design factor are like the same or better, but you can't say that they're like that much less if at all. I agree. You know, so I Yep. There's a lot of personal preference there. Uh, I would personally take a Koenigsegg over a Pagani, but that's just me. 
Hmm. Uh, although it would it's be a tough one. It would be really hard if you told me I could have like a manual CCX or a manual Zonda. Ooh. Well, we've talked about this. Yeah. Is the and this does exist. There's a there's a British racing green with a tan leather interior Zonda 760R uh-huh. with a manual Roadster. I, I, that's hard to beat. You're, y'all are gonna have to listen to the end of the episode because we're gonna talk about manual hypercars. Yeah. So so just hold on tight for that one. Although every Koenigsegg is a Roadster, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, I like that. I yeah. think that's cool. The engineering that Koenigsegg does, it's always impressed me. Yeah. Everything that they do, it's its always impressed me. I feel me. like they focus on engineering and technology, whereas Pagani focuses on it's just art. artistry. Yeah. yeah. Which is awesome. Both both are awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So Pagani, um, Koenigsegg, Bugatti, and Hennessy. To me, those we, are, we, yeah. we're a little biased, maybe. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I don't know. You seem pretty objective. We're, we're, yeah, we're very objective. <laughs> but honestly, to me, those are the four hypercar categories, the true staples of the hypercar category, and honestly validated by a lot of sources. We're always in the conversation with Bugatti. We're always in the conversation with Koenigsegg. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we just want to talk about Hennessy for a second, the Venom GT was certainly a hypercar when it was released about 2009. Uh, it was our first car that we did that was our own. Uh, it's Achilles heel was that it was based on a uh, Lotus chassis. Loosely. Loosely, yeah. Which I... Everyone, you know, it, it kind of got the reputation of, oh, well, it's just a modified mm-hmm. Lotus. Unfortunately, that was a, a strong misconception and, mm-hmm. and it was not that at all. It was its own car. It just had... Uh, the lo- It kept the Lotus tub. That's it. Uh, front of the windshield and behind and, the back, yeah. back glass and was some all of the design different. Yeah, yeah, the features design. Features and stuff. Um, which, but, yeah. but that car served a great purpose. We learned a lot. We set some great records with that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, it had a lot of milestones, but we we took everything we learned from that car and put it into the F5. Mm-hmm. And the F5 really has elevated Hennessy as a brand to continue to be a staple in the hypercar category, but a lot more so this time with design as well. Mm-hmm. So our performance has always been there. We've always been about performance. Uh, but the design of the F5 has much more elevated to artistry, technology. Mm-hmm. It's kind of unbelievable. Yeah, and the design engineering. I mean, there's literally no part on that car that is shared with anything else. Yeah. Over 3,000. Over 3,000 bespoke parts, 600 carbon fiber molds. I mean, the list goes on. Our own carbon fiber chassis, developed suspension. Uh, I mean, everything. Um, yeah. So check out the F5. Go to go to the F5 website. This isn't an ad for the F5. We just really like it. Yeah, and I and think it's the a point, hypercar. And the point is, is that it's a hypercar. And Hennessy, we do, we make hypercars. Um, yep. Period. So, uh, so let's yeah. keep going. Let's keep going. So Apollo, they're they're actually kind of a cool brand. They had the Gumpert Apollo way back when. Uh-huh. It, kind it, of funky. Yeah, it was a little funky. It set some speed records. It was real funky. But, it was supposedly um, fast. I I don't think I maybe I've seen one. I've I, never I don't, seen one. I don't really remember Ever. if I did. Yeah. Uh, but I will say, although the Gumpert may have been a little bit 
unmemorable. I think the Apollo IE, the intensa emozione. Yes. Intense emotion is what I would, I think, translate to. No, I wish. That sounded really good. Uh, The Apollo IE, to me, is a really cool car because it looks so cool. And that actually has one of the highest valet wow factors to me of any kind of recent Hmm. cars. So that, that might be an unpopular opinion, but if you're a kid and you're going to buy a Hot Wheels, that's kinda, that's probably going to be high up on the yeah. list. If you got to pick some from a shelf, yeah. The favorite thing about that car for me is the natural aspirated um, engine yeah, sourced v- from V12? some company in Italy. Who knows where that came from? Uh. <laughs> uh, it sounds insane. If yeah. you've never heard yeah, that car, just do yourself a favor and go online, go on the interwebs and look up the Apollo IE. It sounds amazing. It's a hypercar. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And you know what? I don't even know how fast it goes. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> like, it's kind of like the Pagani thing. Yeah. It sounds great. It looks out of this world. Um, I'm sure it's ridiculously fast. And the, But it's a hypercar. I've seen a few, uh, not driving, but parked at, you know, at shows and events. Yeah. Uh, well, we were together. Special, we, saw, we saw one. Yeah, we that saw kind one. Of crazy paint color. Is it in Arizona? Yeah. Yep. Bear Jackson. Uh-huh. That was cool. Uh, and then I've also seen our special customer, Don Wyra's um, Apollo IE. That was really cool car. Very, very cool to yeah. see. So nonetheless, mm-hmm. a hyper car. Yep. And it's one of the more... Uh, boutique brands that I honestly don't know much about, but I think their car's cool. Same. So yeah, yeah, cool to have them on the list. Yep. Uh, let's go. Let's let's back. Let's backtrack in time a little bit. Talk about um the big three, the nine eighteen, the LaFerrari, and the P one, as dubbed by Top Gear, the Holy Trinity. Wow. Um, why are these hypercars? You know. I think they were the first wave of hypercars after the Veyron created it and people realized, like these other companies realized like, oh, wait, we should be doing that. And it took some time from 08 to, I think these were kind of all coming out in the 2013 range. And they engineered some marvels. And these cars, even almost 10 years later, are complete legends. It's hard. If I had to pick one, it'd be really hard to pick. Okay, you have to pick one. I have to now. pick one. I have to go with the LOF V12. Uh, okay. Even though it kills me because I, I want a P1 really bad. Yeah. And I really love the 918. Yeah. But, oh, man, a red LaFerrari, which we saw very recently in person, very up close together at amelia island oh my goodness so the these are it's like a it's a legendary trio that uh i feel like was the second wave like i can't think of any hypercars in between the veyron and these can you no you're right and they were all around a million dollars the 918 was the least expensive um i believe it was 895 and they they like had trouble selling them they did interesting that porsche has that track they had trouble selling the Carrera GT as well which is a hypercar um <laughs> and i i don't know why but and this is this is what happens with them so they have trouble selling them 
Of course, they made 918, while McLaren made 399, or uh, 375, and Ferrari made 399, um, plus one for the Pope. And um, they had trouble selling them, but now they've they've totally retained their value, and I think they're going up. And people are realizing that, like, okay, wait a second, this might have actually been the best of the three, although it's not the one I would choose. And I'm going to go with my gut here. It changes, I feel like, internally, but I keep going back to this. I want a P1. The design, the way that I've heard it, I've heard it's like a modern F40. Oh, my and gosh. I just... Well, if that's the case, I might want a P1. Yeah, the the way it sounds... I mean, you know me. I'm not a huge... I would prefer a naturally aspirated V12. Yeah. I really would. Yeah. But the way that that car sounds when it uh, blows off um, the turbos and just the whole ethos with that car. I love the car, the design. I think it's an iconic out of those three. That is the iconic design car. So there's a video of a P one that if you're not driving, if you're not in your car and you're by your computer, or your phone, you should look it up. And it is of a P one going up Goodwood. Uh, and it's called the, Oh, Oh yeah. What's that yes. epic video? The, the, P- La- the Lanzante oh P1 at Goodwood. Lanzante. Oh man. Look That's, that video up. It's I, unreal. I, I honestly could listen to that just on repeat. It's yeah. just, that's music. Yeah. It's, it's wow. Yeah. So Sounds cool. so good. Um, man, I kind of want to watch that now. Oh, we'll watch it after this. <laughs> so <laughs> let, let's talk about a couple more brands really quick. Yeah. Aston Martin and Mercedes. Yeah. Uh, and then we can get into some EV hypercars. Okay. So Aston Martin has a few players in the hypercar game. Mm-hmm. I think they're such a cool brand that has had a lot of trouble for many reasons, but I, I have grown to love them actually because of you, Nathan. I Thank never you. really paid much attention. And then I started realizing, wow, this is a really cool brand. They have some cool stuff. You can buy brand new manual Aston Martins to this day. So I respect that. You have to like that. Yeah, have to. Yeah. Uh, but besides their sports car and supercar models, they have the hypercars. F- the first of which was the 177. Right. That That's one of your favorites, if not your favorite. It is. Uh, and... I've never seen this car in person. I would love to. Have you ever seen one? Not, not of memory. Um, but I might. I may have not really known it I think at the you time. Remember it? It's, it's, it's okay. And this is what's interesting. It's front engine. Yeah. And it's got a. So we're talking about a front engine hypercar here, guys. Right. Um. But guys, if you haven't, if you don't know much about this car, look it up. Um, the engine is completely bespoke, V12, naturally aspirated. It's artistry. The whole car is artistry. Carbon fiber, chassis, front and rear subframes, carbon fiber. Um, you can see this the rear suspension nodes through the back like glass on this car. The stance, the proportion on this thing, everything is to the max on this car. Now, I'm not saying this is the quickest car in the world, but it easily, it was uh, well over it 200 miles fast, an hour, like 217, yeah. 220, whatever. Um, zero to 60 is probably around, you know, close to threes flat or something like that. Two seater. Um, to me, there's no question that this, this is, this is a hyper car. Just look at, okay, here's one little thing that and should price. tell you every, yeah, price was, it was over a million dollars. Um, the, the wing mirrors, the side mirrors on this car are grown out of one piece of carbon fiber into the door itself. There's no split line. It, I mean, 
you can't do stuff like that. There's no look at the the front and rear bumpers. There, there's no cut lines. It's just one massive piece of carbon fiber. I mean, no expense was spared on this car. So that to me is solidly in there. How many were made? Uh, seventy-seven. Oh, one seven seven. One of seven seven. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So really cool. Kind of interesting. I don't know why they was, just did seventy-seven. Was that their first hypercar? I I think so. Um, they've had. They had, they had, I mean, they had some seriously high performing cars like back in the 80s. The V8 Vantage was a 200 mile an hour car. Um, I don't no, think that's a supercar. That I don't think that's a, I think it was yeah. a supercar. Um, and traditionally, you know, they've made everyone thinks about them with James Bond. It's like the ultimate gentleman driver yeah. GT car. So, so no, I think that was their first. But since then, thankfully, they've done the, um, the Valkyrie. Um, now up, up here we've got a couple of others like the uh, the Valhalla. Um, that's a supercar. It's coming. That's that's not out yet. Um, the Vulcan. That's actually the Vulcan a hypercar. is so cool. That is a hypercar. It's a track only. Yeah. One converted to the road though, so it it's in there. Yeah. It makes it. It's a yeah. hypercar. Oh man, that is a sweet car. A front engine as well. Yeah. I think that's cool. Me too. I think that's really it, cool. But it shows you can be a hypercar and be front engine, but you just have to have a lot of other categories to really pump you up. And they and they and pulled they it do. off. Yeah. yeah. But now the Valkyrie, that is mid-engine, V12 as well. Yeah. Um, and battery, I, I was reminded recently, it does have some battery assist. Okay. Um, but, man, what do you think about that car? Yeah. I mean, it's it's had a lot of delays right yeah are you trying to think of when it debuted yeah um i uh, at least three years ago three or four years ago right yeah um i love the like the uh the debut color of the green i think it is a cool looking car um i think the whole valhalla thing makes me question like kind of you know if I like it that much, because what do you mean? I don't want to be able to. I don't want my multi-million dollar car to have like a baby cousin. Oh, yeah, I, gotcha. I think that's like kind of lame. Mm. Uh, but I mean, kind of re-looking at the Valkyrie, I think it looks sick. I think it has unbelievable uh, wow factor, valet factor. It so looks like a race car. Twenty sixteen, actually. Yeah, it's so been a while. It'll be six years before they start deliveries to me i don't it doesn't bother me yeah um because i think it's such a special vehicle and i i can't wait to see see them it driving. has one of the highest uh wow factors on this whole list actually no you think and and let me tell you why okay it is basically like an open wheel race car yeah except not open wheel but like yeah. the it's, uh you know what's crazy it's got the same amount of wow the veyron had but for totally different reasons right yeah like the veyron is a just chunk yeah of engineering nope. just a slab yeah. right and this it's so you're right lean. it's like an f1 you can yeah. literally see through it from behind yeah that's crazy it's like okay you got you think that the 4gt had a lot of arrow going on go look up this car yeah 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 the valkyrie which I I kind of forget about it because it's been so delayed. I know, but I'm I'm and still I, excited. I'm for excited, it. and I I really hope they 
they get it across the finish line. I think yeah, they will. They will. Um, now, so okay, there's one of our favorites right here. Now? Well, no, 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 we're about to do. We're about to do the the manual thing. Okay. So well, one more brand, Mercedes. All right, all right, yes, yes. Mercedes. CLK GTR. It's one of our favorites. When it was released, was it a hypercar? The CLK GTR. Yeah. Well. This is tough. Along with its other competitors of that time. This is tough and not because I don't think it's a hypercar. I think it's definitely that. But is it something more? We're talking about... I mean, listen, man. I remember being... uh, Not the personal experiences uh, determine this, but I'll just share this story. This was, I don't know, three years ago, I think, at, at Bubble Beach eating at one of my favorite uh, Italian restaurants there, you know, after a long day of enjoying cars or whatever. And I see a a Mercedes CLK GTR Roadster just cruise down the street. My friend and I literally get up from our table and run to try and just go see this because they're they're so rare and there's grown grown man yeah if a veyron went by i'm telling you i'm not getting i wouldn't have gotten up yeah no i mean it would have been cool but i'd be like okay cool there's a veyron right um and the reason why these are special so we talk about this we talk about the porsche um gt1 um i don't know man i i guess they should just stay in the hypercar category but the fact that they're literally they're straight up le mans cars for the road yeah is there's something so special about them, but I don't know. Do you think they should have their own category or just keep them in the hypercar? Yeah, I think hypercar. They were early hypercars for sure. Yeah. They were hypercars before hypercars. They're hipster hypercars. They're hipster hypercars. I just, I think that there's something like, dude, an F50 sat next to a CLK GTR it it comes close to that that being like not oh, even in the same universe. Yeah, agreed. I agree with that. Yeah. Yep. So I don't know. I mean, I'm just the trouble with those is that it nothing came of it. It just stopped. Yeah. That category. Yeah. It was a moment in time. That is a really interesting point. I totally agree with that because what happened to Lamont inspired streetcars well the the rule makers just ruined everything yeah i guess that is so true it is a moment in time where did they go there was no successors i okay well i'll argue this the the valkyrie and the amg project one i'm trying to think of any others i'm i'm sure i'm i'm forgetting i feel like there's one that i'm forgetting those are in the same vein yeah, and the reason because why is the, they're yeah. Look at the seating position. You're literally you're in pro, you're you're laying in like an F1 seating position. You're okay. Look, if your ankles are above your hip point when you sit down in a car, yeah, that's crazy. Not only you're that, laying, not sitting. But the Valkyrie was um, designed uh, initially. They were going to run it in the hypercar class at Le Mans. Um, I don't know if they if that's still in the plans. I'm not sure, but but. Um, I just, I think those two, I don't know. Like, and you know, the project one, it's got the, the F1 engine, literally the Mercedes F1 engine in it. Right. Um, I don't know. Race inspired. Yeah. What do you guys think? Do you think that that deserves another category? Because what I'm hearing from Aston Martin and from Mercedes is 
it will actually be as fast or faster around certain tracks than F1 cars. Reason being, they're not they're not restrained by any kind of regulations or anything, so they can Wait, throw. You, you've heard that? Yeah, that's they're going to be faster than an F1 car. Yes, with the right driver, of course. Yeah, yeah, of but, course. Yeah, because it's got even more downforce because they can do whatever they want. There's no governing body. The FIA wow. is not telling them anything. Yeah. It can have more horsepower. Wow. It, it, you know what I mean? So that, that's, it can have that's, traction control. It can have That's like, my argument for Formula X, but that's a whole nother conversation. I totally agree. <laughs> I agree. But that, that's cool. I had not heard that. That's interesting. Yeah. So I would I would actually say that those I mean, maybe that is a different category. We'll have to revisit this when they yeah. come out. We need y'all's thoughts. Yeah. Email us podcast at hennessyperformance.com. Yep. So one quick touch, Maserati's only appearance on this whole hypercar list mm-hmm. is the MC12. Yeah, properly categorized, categorized in the hypercar class. Yeah, no legendary car. What happened after that? I don't know. They're about to have their new supercar, but yeah, whatever. Okay, so next, here we go. We've got two major categories to discuss. We've got electric hypercars. Yeah, let's get into that. So. This is a new growing category that is still categorized within the hypercar class, but it just has a little divider on it. So on our list, you're either internal combustion or you're electric, but you can both be a hypercar, but you have to, it has to be distinguished because they're just not necessarily the same, Yeah, but they are. Yeah. But they're not. And, and the reason why they're not, because before you think that, oh, we, you're just saying that because it's an EV. Well, I mean, that is why we're saying that. But <laughs> the reason why is because uh, picture your average car show. But what we were thinking about is there. there's an event um, during Pebble Beach Car Week, which is coming up and we'll be there August. Uh, second week of August. Second week of August, week of the ninth. Um, called uh, Exotics, Exotics on Cannery Row. I don't. I don't think it'll happen this year. But in years past, what has happened, it's been an absolute mob scene of just the world's greatest super and hypercars meeting for an evening of just debauchery. Yeah, it's a great time. And and the fact that they're all there and driving there is pretty crazy. It's really crazy. And so what happens is one by one, these cars will show up, you know, and they'll rev and it'll just, everyone just crowds around. Okay, so picture this. Uh, a Zonda 760 shows up and just revs, you know, whatever, however high it revs to. Um, the LaFerrari comes, the 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 P1, everything is sounding amazing. And then silently at the back or in the middle of this pack creeps along this EV hypercar. And it's got 10 gajillion horsepower and it's the fastest car to ever walk the earth. Yeah. But... It's did, busy it, did, it, did anyone hear it? Because they were too busy looking at the LaFerrari revving yeah, its V12 off. And that's why for me, I just, it, they're missing something. They're missing, they're not yeah. engaging one of the senses. There's yes. some, you cannot deny that when, a, you know, a beautiful, des, a beautifully designed engine revs, it does something inside of you. There's, Definitely. It, it engages all of your senses, smell, you know, you can feel that. Um, so they're in there because of the performance and the design and yeah. the design. Yeah. Um, if if you put, if you all of a sudden made a Chiron EV, let's just say, 
It would still be a hypercar. It still it has be. the design and the performance, but yeah. that that wow factor column would just be less. Yeah, and honestly, to me, I, I, their W sixteen quad turbo is way more impressive of an engineering feat than uh, a battery floor. <laughs> like not even close. You yeah. know, I mean, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a tangent here. Here we go. That's why, to me, the whole, it's just late. It, it's a it's a bit disingenuous to me to say like well we've done as much as we could with the the internal combustion engine we've got it this far so let's go let's just go to evs like that's that's the only solution guys formula one has achieved 52 percent efficiency with their internal combustion engines your average road car is like less than 20 around 20 percent we're talking maybe even 12 percent so there's so much more efficiency that you can achieve yeah number one and number two I just think it's kind of lazy to think like, well, we've done as much as we could with this, so let's just kick it. To I don't, I, I don't think that. I don't think engineers, real engineers, they, they're wanting to constantly push, like push the edges of battery tech, of internal combustion tech, of hydrogen tech, of jet propulsion tech, like whatever, but just keep pushing. Right. So anyway, back to the conversation of. EV hypercars. Yeah, there's some cool ones on the list. I yeah, don't, what I do don't we hate have? them. So I don't either. The we new got the Remock Navara. Navara. Yeah, I mean, that sick. That's sweet. There yeah. was a video of it racing an SF90. It is unbelievable. It how, truly is. How much it walks the SF90 by. I think I'd black out in that car. <laughs> I think I'd pass out. The SF90 is really fast. Like a proper, serious, fast car. Is, it, en- the, is it the fastest car in the world right now? Uh, in terms of just like just, a, uh, Let's just talk quarter mile time. Uh, internal combustion? Yeah, it might be that in the 765. Faster like the, than the, the, the fastest production quarter mile time cars, yes. And, and the then Nav- it got absolutely wrecked by the Nevera. You have to respect that. You have to. Even, I don't completely hate evs but even if i did i would have to just like tip my hat because Same. okay yeah so so the the performance is off the charts the design yeah you could have the same design as an ice that doesn't really stop you so mm-hmm. uh i really like the design of the navara navara mm-hmm. you said you, you weren't the biggest fan but it does have hypercar design i i agree but the reason why but, it's not um it's not incredibly eye-catching sure which is not a bad thing uh, the the way I describe their design language is it's very technical, which is really honest to me because it yeah. reflects the nature of the company. Yeah, they're extremely technical. they and their designs um, mirror that. So yeah, hats off to them. Yeah. Um, one I like the design better of is the Lotus Avaya. I, I I agree. Yeah, I think that is a really nice looking car. I agree. Inside and out. Yes, and I think it's very cool to see Lotus enter the hypercar game. Because I, I don't, they really haven't been involved at all since the Avaya. And their first entry was, uh, is, a, is a, an EV. It's interesting. Um, they're definitely putting a stake in the ground. Is it in line with the company Ethos? I don't think so. But they're, they claim to have some ultralight battery solution that is in line with their Ethos. So we'll see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, t- yeah. I mean, we could talk about Lotus. I think to me, Lotus. I think they absolutely can do a hypercar. I wouldn't expect it to be an EV simply because of the weight of batteries and their 
Their I, calling card is just add lightness. I, Sir Colin Chapman yeah, said, but I would have expected Lotus's hypercar entry to be like a T fifty. Same, something ridiculously light. Yeah, with uh, you know what a T fifty, but with like half the engine, a T fifty like. But then a it wouldn't V6. be a hypercar. Well, but they could like the XJ two twenty has a twin turbo piece. They could have done something. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we agree. Something like the T- the GMA T50, which isn't on our list, but that's a hypercar yeah. for sure. Yep. The Gordon Murray T50. Yeah, yeah. hypercar. It's actually yeah. not my favorite, like, at all. That's weird because it's a manual V12. I know. That is weird. That kind of goes against everything that I love. And but, that's going to be one of the fastest cars in the world. But the design just doesn't do it for me. It's too boring to you? I just don't think it's that good looking. I oh. think the rear is, like, not cool. Huh. So that is, it's that just, la- it's just is that design. lame? Is that like immature of me? I uh, mean, I just don't like it. I don't know. I don't know. I think it's. I think it's a design that will stand the test of time. But we'll see. I yeah. happen to love it. Yeah, I love it. I think it's awesome that it's lightweight manual V twelve center seating position. Don't get me wrong. I like it. That's this, awesome. I like it for the same reasons why I like the Veyron. Yeah. I'm not saying it's the best design in the world. Yeah. I think that's obviously a Ferrari 250 GTO. But I am saying that when you combine the design, the engineering, everything together, you get something truly special. Yeah. Yeah, I get so, that. And getting back to Lotus, I, I just... They could have done a different hypercar. They went this direction. Yeah. Um, I it, It's always been a, delayed. It's been... I don't know. I'm yeah. Well, I mean, it. here's the thing, guys. And we could talk about this. You know, we were talking about the um, the Aston Martin Valkyrie um, kind of taking five years to get here, which these things take time. Um, but the uh, the Tesla Roadster. Yeah. These <laughs> EVs, listen, it's not that simple as people no, think. No, it's not. And it's not like this tech is ready to go tomorrow. And so... You know the, the uh, I don't. I'm, I'm trying to look up when the um, okay, 2017. All right, about the same time. Okay, so about four or five years, but it's not as easy as everyone thinks. It's not yeah, just like sure, no. let's put some batteries together and go. It doesn't yeah. work like that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whenever the Roadster comes, whenever the Avaya comes, Batista. Batista there's, there's all sorts of EV hypercars that haven't really made it, and there's a new one from China like coming in once a week. So <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I was going to say which one? Who the heck knows? <laughs> yeah. So most importantly, most important, we're, we're kind of passing off of. EV hypercars, yeah. right? Very cool. A lot of cool new stuff, new technology, blah, blah, blah. Maybe it's your thing. Maybe it's not. But if you're a car guy, what really is your should be your thing, and if it's not, like, just get with it, Yeah, is manual hypercars. Wow. So let's talk about the few, the proud, the manual hypercars. The, I only see three. So I, I'm sure we inevitably will we'll miss one or oh, two or ten or whatever, four. but... Okay. Let's talk about the ones that are on our list that we really, really love. Well, okay. Can I? Yeah, go ahead. Let's talk about, we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about past ones, all of them. Let's talk about what you can get right now. Yeah. Anyone out there in the world, can you tell me what manual hypercar is on sale today? Yeah. What can you go order? Tell me. 
crickets. Oh, wait. Crap. There's nothing. Except. Except. The... Drum roll, please. Aston Martin Victor. Now, caveat there, is yeah, here. Yeah, there's an asterisk on it's that. It's a one-off. Yeah. So, you no, you can't go you can't, order this because yeah. it's... <laughs> um, but, man, this car is cool. So, what happens when you mix a Aston Martin 177, a Valkyrie, and a Vulcan? You get the Victor. A manual front engine rear drive v12 one-off ridiculous multi-million dollar hypercar side exhaust yeah to me i mean this actually it's actually one of my favorite cars of all time i agree it has to be if upon its release not that long ago it jumped straight to the top of my list yeah wow i mean man and the sad thing is yeah the sad thing is I'll never get to drive one. Never say never, but probably never. Yeah. Dang. I'm hoping that, that whoever the owner is brings it to Pebble Beach. Please. It, it's like a million times more likely for me to like own a Chiron than to even drive this. I, I wouldn't go that... Oh, well, maybe. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Not that either are likely, but like, yeah, if one was going to happen... That's too bad. Yeah. It's too bad, and I just wonder... The response to this car has been so positive. Is anyone at Aston Martin thinking like, hey, maybe. Hello, <laughs> like, please, Aston Martin. I don't what know. What are you guys doing? Or what is like, anyone else? In- exactly. What anyway. is everyone doing? So other manual hypercars on this list, one of your favorites and one of the potential cars for the greatest of all time. The one I mentioned earlier, the Zonda seven hundred and sixty, yeah, but the it's specific one, V12. the specific one, yeah, yeah, the yeah. green one, yeah, it has oh a, it has gosh. a specific name. I can't remember it right now, um, but yeah, it's it's a manual V twelve naturally aspirated Zonda Roadster oh. seven hundred and sixty with the horsepower turned all the way up to as high as it'll go for the Zonda. Um, did I say it was a manual? Because it's a manual. It's a manual, and it's a Roadster. That's the thing. Yeah. That is the thing. Imagine if the Victor had a removable top. A Targa like the Oh, my gosh. Wow. That would be the best car ever. You could blow it off like in Fast and Furious. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, here's the reason why. I mean, is it the fastest car in the world? No, but give me another hypercar that's manual without a roof. Go. Venom GT, baby. Yeah. One of the coolest cars ever. And if you're listening right now, and you love the Venom GT. That's awesome. I, I join you in that love because you're right. It is a lovable car. Yeah. If you don't love it, I totally also understand because it is so misunderstood. And I wish I could speak to every single person individually about why the Venom GT is so awesome. It's just misunderstood. Mm-hmm. And I've had the opportunity to drive it several times. It is the most ridiculous, insane thrill ride uh, that is even possible. It has absolutely everything you'd ever want. It has all the performance you'd want. It has the hypercar design. Uh, It has the valet wow exclusivity factor. Very exclusive. And the roof comes off. It's a manual transmission. It was the fastest car in the world for a number of years. I mean... I don't know. What more would you want? That car is more, so yeah. insane. It's so raw. It is. It's like an F40 times three. And <laughs> the roof comes off. Yeah. I just rode in it with you for a brief period of time. And um, 
We did. We rode after that photo shoot, right? Yeah, yeah. And we just like did a couple laps. Yeah. The 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 best way I can describe it is it's like Six Flags without any line, and you own the park. It's yeah. your, it's it's a it's it's like Six Flags in your backyard in your driveway. Yeah. Is the Venom GT? Um, I wish people could understand that car. It's, it's the so- ultimate ca- car guy's hypercar. There's no posing. With the Venom GT. No, it will eat you alive. If you don't respect it or if you don't have skills, yeah, it will eat you. It's a driver's hypercar. Yes. It's a driver's yeah. hypercar. And I would say that cars like the Chiron are not. And that's no, not a bad thing. It's I'm not just, bad. There's a distinction. Yes. You can be... Anybody can drive a Chiron. Mm-hmm. My grandmother could drive a Chiron. Fast. Yeah, for sure. She could mash the gas pedal on a runway and go fast. Right. Not everybody could drive a Venom GT fast. And we kind of like that. I love that. You got cars have to have character. No, I exactly. I want I want like me driving a Venom GT fast to be a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. I don't want it to just be like, "Oh, you you drove your Veyron 200 miles an hour or you you did a cool lap time around a track in your Veyron." I mean, whatever, like anybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Within reason. You yeah, get, yeah, you get what I'm saying. Yeah, totally. But if you set some sort of lap time on a Venom GT, or you went out and did a 200 pull on a Venom GT, like you had to have two things, some skills and some level of cojones. A lot of guts. Yeah. Wow. Th- a lot of bravery. Yeah. I it's, mean, it's the most underrated car on the list. And yeah, that's all and we'll say. You know what? Maybe it deserves its own episode. And we can get, we'll get yeah. John in here. Yeah. And, I'd love to talk about and it. And talk about it. The, We're the obviously biased. Misconceptions. But and I'm not biased at all. Well, uh, yeah. We'll save that. We'll save the rest of our thoughts for another day. Um, the only one other one on this list, uh, hypercar on this list that you could get with the manual is Koenigsegg. I don't know when they stopped doing manual gearboxes. I don't know if you asked them to do a manual, would they do it? Um, if you had enough money, I'm sure they would. Um, but they used to make their hypercars with manual gearboxes, and that is very cool. You could still yeah. get them. And in fact, I think they're actually pretty good value for money. I don't think that people quite um uh, I don't think they're appreciated as much as they will be. Yeah. When people come to realize that that you you just can't get manual hypercars doesn't um, exist doesn't exist so guys that's kind of it yeah for, for hypercars so we touched on this that's kind of it for a hypercar list but we we touched on this oh the, the what's fourth category. what is next and what is the fourth category it has been mentioned by a few manufacturers a few journalists like what is next and people have alluded to it being a mega car mm, yeah i've heard that and maybe you've heard this maybe you haven't but that's supposedly the next category. Some people or manufacturers have claimed that certain cars far certain cars fall into this category, but I'm here to tell you the truth. This category does not exist yet, and there's nothing that enters the mega car category yet. Will there be? Absolutely. What is it going to be? I have no idea, but it will be so far apart from the current list of hypercars or even the the future list of hypercars that it will be obvious just like the veyron was obvious it and it's not just about having 3000 horsepower if some ev comes out tomorrow yeah. and it has 3000 horsepower it might not necessarily be a mega car no it has to have the other pillars 
It does. Um, you know, I'm just thinking about this. The so I'm gonna go back to the the uh, the Valkyrie and the Project One. Um, I th- I think if any cars have the potential to create a new category, it's those cars, and here's why: when those cars come, and people actually outside of the company get to to drive them and experience them and review them. And let's just say, take it around a track. Is it a minute faster than a LaFerrari? If it's, yeah. if it's, if we're talking about times like that, if, if they're even close to an F, uh, an F1 car time around Silverstone, I think you could be talking about a new category because that blows everything out of the water that we just talked about in the hypercar category. It does. And so I think if any cars have that potential, it's those, which is interesting because... Or like a sub six. Around the the Nürburgring. Sub seven is kind of the benchmark for unbelievable. But like if it was sub six, I mean, that that would be so... It'd be shocking. Yeah. It would be absolutely shocking. Like, I almost don't even have words. Yeah. Which is the reaction we had with the Veyron. Exactly. And that's why there's no no other category right now. It's because everything else is kind of explainable. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's really fast. It's 1500 horsepower, 18, 2000, 2500, whatever. Take 3000. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So, so that's where we are. Um, Oh, and if you're listening and you disagree with this and you think that the Devil 16 is a mega car, <laughs> it's not. Yeah. And just please stop. The de- no, it's not a mega car. Does that even exist? I don't know. Who but knows? Just no. Birds are drones or <laughs> Birds aren't real. Birds aren't real. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, oh well, that kind of got me really excited to actually see these cars come to fruition. Yeah. Because, man, and then what do we call... I don't even want to... like. I don't. Who knows if it's mega car? Maybe it's something else. I kind of don't like the the term mega car. Mega desk. <laughs> mega desk. That's yeah. why I don't like. Yeah. It. Yeah. Quad yeah. desk. Mega yeah. desk. Um. Yeah. So anyway, that's it, guys. Uh, that's what's next. Whatever it is. Yeah. Who knows? We're looking forward to it, and we thank you for joining us on this journey. Yes. Thank you so much for listening and uh, hope you enjoyed this three-part series. We will be back next week with an amazing action-packed episode per usual. And also, this episode was brought to you by Expel, the best in paint protection film that you can buy. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. 